Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Carrie Gillum will join us to discuss a cover-up of glyphosate. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. show. Well, the controversy over public health and glyphosate, the active ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup, has reached a tipping point, from charges of the EPA collaborating with Monsanto to delay over or hiding of scientific evidence. In her new book, Whitewash, the story of a weed killer, cancer, and the corruption of science, Ms. Carrie Gillum explores the surprising story behind the cover-up of glyphosate. And Ms. Gillum, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks for having me. Certainly a pleasure to have you on the program. Certainly an interesting, somewhat disturbing story you've written here about glyphosate. I'm curious, uh, how did you become interested in this story? I mean, this is really almost 20 years, 19 years of research and reporting. You know, so when I first started learning about glyphosate, which is the main ingredient in Roundup, branded herbicides, most people are familiar with Roundup. You know, they use it in their lawns and gardens and parks and playgrounds. It's used in on farms and food production, um, most widely used herbicide in the world. But, of course, when I started learning about it in 1998, I was a national correspondent for Reuters Newswire, and I I just, it was part of my job, like to understand, you know, this multi-billion billion dollar pro, um, product that was being used so widely in agriculture and food production. So um, the, the significance and, and um, sort of the monumental cover-up that was going on about the safety of this chemical didn't become apparent to me immediately. Um, but over time, uh, you know, it, there was a pretty damning picture painted and, um you know, it's affecting our food supply um, and, and our environment. And uh, so I thought it was important to write a book about it. So it is the most widely used weed killer in the world. Monsanto introduced it in 1974 as, as a new herbicide product to be used, you know, by farmers to kill weeds in their fields. And, and as I said, you know, others, um, cities and towns can use it in their public spaces and golf course operators and Um, people, you know, on their home lawns. So, and it became really, really popular um, because it kills weeds great. Um, You know, if you know Roundup, you spray it, you used to spray it on a weed anyway, and uh, that weed was was dead and gone. Um, And Monsanto marketed it as, as incredibly safe, much safer than other weed killers that were on the market. So it really took off and became really popular um, and then when Monsanto introduced genetically altered crops, GMOs, um, that could be sprayed directly with glyphosate, um, this was the way Monsanto wanted to, to capture and secure the long-term market for its herbicide. So they, you know, put together, introduced these crops that could be used with the Roundup glyphosate, and um, they just dominated the market and uh, have, you know, through today, 
But the research has built up over the years as, as more independent scientists have studied the effects of glyphosate and Roundup. There's been quite a body of evidence built up that it can cause cancer um, and can contribute to a range of disease and illness um, in people. And that's, and that's setting aside the environmental harm that, that research has shown. But uh, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is part of the World Health Organization, uh, two years ago, looked at all the science and said, yeah, this is a probable human carcinogen. And that's triggered just a wave. There are now thousands of people suing Monsanto, alleging that their cancers um, were caused by exposure to Roundup. So, you know, it's a very controversial story right now. Europe is looking at potentially banning it. Um, some countries in Europe already are doing that. PA is sort of taking a look at it, but they're pretty friendly with Monsanto, so we don't expect anything different in the U.S., at least in the near term. And how is it that they've been able to cover up a little bit of the science or spin the science in a way to make it seem like it's not as bad as the science is showing? Well, and, and that is a really long answer <laughs> because um, they've employed numerous strategies, and we've been able to see this and document this, and I document a lot of it in the book, um, through court documents that have come out, Monsanto's own internal emails and reports and communications. Um, my, I have, and the organization I work for now, we've obtained thousands of documents from the EPA and other regulators and from public scientists in the United States and Canada and elsewhere. And you see behind the scenes this, this incredible sort of effort of subterfuge, of secrecy, where Monsanto ghostwrites, they use the word ghostwrite, um, research papers that appear to be independent and tout the safety of this chemical. Um, Monsanto will pay someone to put their name on it, an author that looks independent, but actually Monsanto's own people have written it. They give money to scientists and research programs, and then they suggest policy briefs for these people to write or, or letters. They will put together slide presentations for scientists to deliver. Um, and these look to be, again, independent. Um, they set up false fronts, you know, uh, nonprofit groups and um, organizations that, that weigh in on the science that that appear to be independent, but again, we see in emails where Monsanto will talk about, you know, we want to set this up and we want you to do this, but we don't want anybody to know we're behind it. Um, so it's just this very consistent, um, I, I call it decades of deceit, you know, this very consistent pattern of activity designed to fool policymakers, members of the public, um, members of the press um, about the true independent, you know, science and information that shows harm associated with this chemical. And, and you also see evidence, sadly, of, you know, what looks to be collusion with certain officials with, within the EPA. Um, and that's actually being investigated right now by the Office of Inspector General um, because there's such alarming information about, you know, working to, uh, to kill or alter or block uh, reviews of this chemical. Um, I mean, it just, it goes on and on. Literally, you know, we could, you could fill a book with <laughs> the examples. Um, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it clearly paints a picture of, of corporate profit being made a priority over public safety. And certainly not not just that, but uh, should any of this really stated? I mean, they're under, as you, as you mentioned, numerous lawsuits for possible health effects uh, related to the use of glyphosate. 
Yeah, I mean, they have. You now, what we've seen, though, and what we see over and over again with chemical companies is if they are sued and if it is disclosed, and you saw this with tobacco industry, you've seen this with DuPont and Dow, you saw it with Monsanto and PCBs, you know, often they will be sued. Often it will come out in court that they knew and hid and covered up and maybe lied and deceived. And then they'll pay out hundreds of millions, maybe, of dollars um, in damages. Monsanto paid out $700 million of damages in PCB litigation. Um, but again, th these companies and Monsanto makes billions of dollars a year off of this. So I think the risk-reward ratio you know, favors <laughs> the strategies that they've been employing, perhaps. So uh, you mentioned, of course, uh, other countries, chemical being used worldwide. How are they tackling it uh, across the world, or how are other countries tackling uh, this issue across the world? So, I mean, many different countries have, um, when they have seen the science and seen the research that has been done, they have, alarm bells have been raised. Um, there have been different segments, like in South America and Argentina, efforts to ban it, and Sri Lanka, and um, as I said, France is moving right now to try to, to um, ban it and have it completely uh, pulled from the market within the next five years. Um, so different countries are taking different um, actions. Europe in particular, the European uh, Union, is, is really in hot debate right now, trying to determine if they should pull the authorization, which expires at the end of December um, of this year. And it's a real hot topic, and the different countries, you know, that support it and the ones that are against it, and they're all kind of pitted against each other, and it's, it's a hot, hot issue over there. Of course, not just the health effects, but uh, if you use anything uh, too much, probably you're going to get weeds that are resistant to the stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole environmental side. You know, setting the health, direct health exposure and dietary exposure, you have uh, the weed resistance that's developed because farmers were using so much of this uh, that weeds, millions of acres of weeds have developed resistance, which means that farmers trying to grow their crops are encountering real problems. Um, with weeds in their fields that they can't kill now. Um, and or if, if they do, you know, they're using two or three times more weed killer on them. Or in some cases in the South, we're seeing um, cotton farmers who are having to, to bring people, you know, hand labor into their fields to hand weed their fields. So it's extremely costly. Um, so this has really upset the agricultural community and um, the government has gotten involved and the chemical industry, Monsanto um, and the others in the industry have said the answer is to just simply put more pesticides, more weed killer. And they've combined now something called dicamba with glyphosate and they've combined 2,4-D with glyphosate to put this onto farm fields. And of course, you know, health advocates and consumer advocates say this is not a good thing. Like adding more pesticides on top of our food crops is not a good thing for the people who are eating these food crops because it's known and it's established through FDA and USDA um, annual reports that these pesticides remain in our foods when we eat them. So they're not just uh, going onto the crops and then going away. They're going into our bodies. The story of, of a large company which is peddling something which obviously seems very harmful for our health, harmful for our environment. What uh, is the prospect for any kind of solution to this problem? Uh, 
Yeah, there are a lot of grassroots sort of efforts to their petitions, um, to the regulators to ban it, their grassroots movements to convince local officials to ban it, um, to stop using it, uh, you know, in parks where children play, for instance, um, that sort of thing. So there's, there's definitely a movement. I think what you see in this in these types of situations, whether it be pharmaceutical or tobacco or chemical, it really does take the litigation usually to bring a lot out to the public view and they fight it out in court for years and years and years, you know, and um, then eventually, you know, the truth comes out and the chemical goes away or, you know, warnings are put on the products or something. So I think that's where we are um, with this chemical. It's just, it's, it's too profitable and um, means too much money right now for the chemical companies just simply give up and, and, you know, walk away for sure. People want to learn more about where glyphosate is, if they, if uh, how it's gone into the food supply or, or what they can do. Where, where do you think they can take a look uh, uh, in terms of getting more, more information? Well, um, lots of places. I mean, really, the, the organization that I work for, U.S. Right to Know, we're, that's kind of all we do is we spend our, our days and nights um, sending Freedom of Information Act requests out and getting documents back from the government. And we also, I also keep a, a page where I put all the court documents um, that relate to this issue. Um, so they can certainly, you know, there's lots of things for them to read there and all the news articles that, that uh, are being written around the world. We compile that all kind of there. Um, they can also, you know, read my book, maybe. <laughs> Uh, or just Google gly Google glyphosate. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, quite a hot topic right now. I certainly hope people will go take a look at your book, uh, Whitewash, The Story of a Weed Killer, Cancer, and the Corruption of Science. And uh, the author is Ms. Carrie Gillum. And uh, Ms. Gillum, I want to thank you very much for joining today, us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. <laughs>